Welcome to Parent Driven Development. I'm Allison McMillan, and today I'm here with my friend Chris. Hey, I'm Chris Sexton, and I'm here with my friend Kay Wu. Hi, I'm Kay Wu, and I'm here with my friend JC. Hello, I'm JC, and I'm here with our new friends and panelists, Chris and Adarsh. Hey, how's it going? How are you all doing? We're good. We're good. We're so excited to have you as new friends and panelists on our show. So today, we're just going to sort of do a little bit of chatting to to get to know you both a little better and stuff may come up and we'll we'll sort of go from there so does either one of you want to jump in and share with our audience a little bit about yourself sure i can do that so i'm chris first of all well, chris arcan is my full name since we have two chris's here now first of all i just want to say it's really a pleasure to be able to join the podcast here i think that you know, parenthood and families is a really important thing to talk about in the tech industry. Something that, you know, thankfully has become a more accepted reality for most people where like employees are starting to consider benefits specifically with kids and families in mind and conferences are starting to offer, you know, childcare for attendees and all that. But I still think that there's still a long way to go. And I think that this podcast is a really good resource for parents, not only in the tech industry, but just in general. So Thank you for having me. Man, a little bit about myself. I live in the Minneapolis-St. Paul metro area in Minnesota. Uh, I grew up here originally, went to school here at the University of Minnesota, where I actually stayed in school for way, way, way too long and have two bachelor degrees in music performance and computer science. And I think I only use about one half of one of those in my career now. I'm a software engineer. I work remotely for uh, HashiCorp, where I work on Terraform. My wife and I moved out to D.C. for a number of years while she went to school out there. And much to Chris Sexton's extreme disappointment, you know, decided to move back here to Minnesota after she graduated. Those were the good years (laughs) when D.C. had more Chris's. I agree. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So we moved back here to Minnesota where we settled down and we started a family. So we've been back for about three years now. We have a two-year-old son and are now expecting our second child in January this coming year. So in the past three years, I've... Congrats. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. The past past few years, I've uh, hit the parenthood game head on and this podcast has been a wonderful companion for me. So... I remember when Allison was poking out on Twitter about the idea of this podcast originally, I was just thinking, oh my gosh, yes, please do this. It would be so wonderful. And so I'm really happy that we're here at this point now. Here we are, 30 some odd episodes in. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll go next. This is Adarsh. That'll be hard to top, but I'll do my best. So I am a consultant. I live in beautiful Oakland, California. My family, my wife, and two kids. My kids are six years old and two, and they're both boys, and it's a lot of breaking things and throwing things and smashing and fighting. But they're very sweet with each other, and so I'm very thankful. Actually, today itself is my 10-year wedding anniversary. So Congratulations. Yeah, yeah it's awesome. quite a milestone, I've realized. That used to be something that I think we all took for granted that people be married for a long time, and a lot of my friends are not. And so we're pretty thankful. We're going to go out to a nice dinner and celebrate a bit. But back to me. So I'm a developer consultant, and I run my own company. It's called Cylinder Digital. I've been running it for four years. I do all the things that other 
developer consultants do. Mostly it's custom software development and design. I do the sales end of that, sales and back office stuff. And then I staff teams with my favorite consultants and 1099 folks. And then, yeah, we, we do work with a lot of different startups and nonprofits around the country. And it's a lot of fun. I've lived here in Oakland for two years this summer. I've been in the Bay Area for since 2012. I used to work for a boutique consulting firm, and that's where I had learned Ruby on Rails and to be a developer. I started teaching myself as a developer in 2011, and going bizarrely backwards, I was I've been a consultant since 2006. And from 2006 to 2011, I was a management consultant, so I worked at a lot of large corporations helping them in theory with PowerPoint and Excel things that I gave them. I worked at a big consulting firm called McKinsey in New York, and that was a lot of fun. And I learned a lot, but it was very tiring. I was traveling all the time. And then before that, I was a scientist and I did a PhD in biophysics and chemistry in Chicago. And I'm originally from Michigan. So I feel the Midwestern vibes from many of you here, which I appreciate. And that's me. That's awesome. That sounds great. That's a lot of consulting. And it is a lot of consulting. You're busy at all then with all that consulting stuff you guys are doing. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oftentimes I, I realize how much I have going on when I explain all the things I'm doing and then people, their eyes start to widen a bit. And then I think, you know, I should probably dial back on some of this stuff. It's kind of amazing how you can just kind of like just say yes to things and just kind of keep going about life and doing a whole bunch of things. And then all of a sudden, one day someone asks you about, Hey, what do you, what do you do overall? And you suddenly look back and realize, Oh my gosh, I actually do maybe too much. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's definitely me. I, I've started to feel it in the last year. So the other dynamic, which is relevant to this podcast in our family, is that my wife is a practicing physician here at Kaiser Permanente, which is a insurance and hospital chain here in, in the West Coast. I think there's a little bit of that in the East Coast, too. But she's busy. She's works a great number of hours per week. And a lot of it is uh, early in the morning to late at night, sometimes overnight, sometimes a lot of weekends, usually one weekend a month or two. And so since my younger son was born, I've been doing a majority of childcare. Um, I wouldn't say all of it for sure, but it's definitely the majority of home and childcare. So I that works really well for me and us and our family and our interests. I love being a dad. I'm pretty into it. And um, I kind of wear the black socks and sandals and with pride. But it has it is a lot of coordinating and I've brought a lot we've I've talked about this before, but I've brought a lot of software development tools and techniques to the whole thing, including Sunday night retros and planning meetings, a little bit of Trello, a little <laughs> bit of stand up meeting in the morning or, you know, late at night, that kind of thing. It's it's felt like the best way to get a handle on all the stuff that I'm, I have going on. Interesting. Does your so your wife's schedule, is it something that has like a, a rotation of sheet? She does certain shifts and then it rotates every three weeks or something like that. Or is it completely like could be any time and is completely random as time goes on? For her, it's a great question. For her, the schedule ends up being pretty random, which is harder than having the same amount of hours, but more regular. The The irregularity is something that can be difficult to get yes. a handle on, especially with children who... 
as we all know, really thrive off schedules and routine and regularity. Um, Always respect the schedule. <laughs> yeah, the schedule rules everything. My calendar is like a like a mosaic. Yes, so are you, absolutely. Are you still doing um, consulting now? Yeah, I've been doing more leadership consulting, kind of high level stuff. I've been doing something that I've been calling CTO consulting. And as of the last week, I've been serving as the interim CTO for a corporate incubator lab, which is a nice change of pace. It's not as much uh, focusing on sales and having sales calls, which doing that a lot can really burn your throat out and kind of emotionally drain me. So I have to know when to toggle that. But yeah, I've, I'm consulting about between 20, about 20, 30 hours a week, depending on the week. As the kids get back into school, which I'm sure we're going to talk about, that all my schedule opens up a lot. You know, this summertime is filled with camps, but each camp is totally new and has different requirements and different schedules and drop offs. And so, again, the irregularity of the summer can be kind of rough. And the regularity of the school year is something that I'm looking very, very much forward to. Yeah, I was wondering how the consulting works with the unknown schedule. My my experience with the consulting is that that drives the schedule so much that I have very little control. But it sounds like you might have figured it out the other way around. Well, I have a weird shape of consulting. It's a great question. I do less and less, almost no development work myself anymore. And development work by definition for me, and I think maybe a lot of us, is long stretches of uninterrupted time. And what I do a lot more of is coordinating calls and being on on calls and having meetings and doing some networking stuff. So I have lunch and coffee with a lot of people that I'm friends with. And then I do uh, the kind of nitty gritty stuff like um, putting together proposals, sending out invoices, collecting those invoices, accounting stuff, payroll, all the kind of stuff that most contractors and consultants don't want to do. I do all that stuff for them. So it is a little bit more, it's a lot more flexible. I can do that in between, um, in between other things that are, you know, family needs and so forth. So in, from that perspective, the shape of consulting that I've elected or kind of created or shaped works pretty well for flexibility, but I've kind of transitioned that slowly over time, mostly to meet, to fit my family needs more than anything else. I found yeah. that that contiguous time is so hard to, to get, and I need to be very purposeful if I want to find time to sit and write some code. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that takes some serious discipline. I was asking about the schedule because, you know, my wife is also in medicine and she also has a schedule that is completely random, has no rhyme or reason to it or does, but it's, it changes depending on the month. And I, that's something that we constantly have to to work through and get better at is just being really, really consistent and try and create some regularity where it's harder to for our kids. So, man, I can't imagine the amount of discipline that must take to be able to look out across the the coming week and and plan everything so that you get everything you need to get done while also, you know, supporting your family and being the primary caregiver. Yeah, it's it definitely is a bunch of work. It definitely fits within my love of the calendar and to-do lists. But the other piece of it that I've kind of had to embrace is how much you have to let that go at times and release the schedule as kids dictate or life dictates, you know, just it's fine to just pick your kid up early and go out for ice cream or, you know, have them skip school and go to the movies, that kind of thing. It's important to have some structure to work around, at least for me, and then also know when to break that. Oh, I've done that. Skip school and go to the movies. 
Well, and I mean, you mentioned like summer schedule and camps and, and that sort of thing. Both both of my kids are still, we're still in that year round school territory. Basically, school closes for about a week and a half. That starts next week. So tomorrow is the last day of the of the current age, preschool age my, my son is in. And I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. Like, we can have. So, but he's still in, you know, full year round territory. I am not looking forward to when we have to get into the, the hodgepodge of camps and, you know, one week, three weeks, just like what that whole different schedule looks like. I am very fearful of entering that time in my children's lives. What they are for sure. One thing we found is as they get older, you seem busier, but you're actually managing less. Our calendars are full, and I think Chris might have seen uh, my calendar. I don't know if he did, but it's just packed with things. But the kids are older now. You know, the two older ones drive. They take care of their stuff. They know what they need to be doing. School started today for my older, my middle two kids. Actually, my older one starts next week. As you, so I'll have one in college, one in high school, one in middle school, and one in grade school this year. And started last day of last year of grade school yesterday for my daughter. So it seems really busy, but actually I think it's more fun busy now than tedious busy as it was maybe five years ago. Just that um, that idea of toil <laughs> on some of the you know the tasks at work and we have to grind through things. And I feel like there's a lot more of that when the kids were younger. Yeah. You know, when you had to carry yeah. diaper bags around and pack it and remember bottles or snacks or goldfish crackers and car seats and and it was just so much where now i'm like get your shoes on <laughs> and right that's the biggest thing right where are your shoes that's kind of still <laughs> they don't want to grow that but it is kind of exactly that you can just be like hey we're gonna go somewhere get ready get yourself ready we're gonna leave in five minutes yeah you, you like, don't right, you're going without shoes i don't care yeah. <laughs> Yeah, in five minutes, you know, they're going to say, oh, I need to go to the bathroom, but there's going to be a delay. But they get themselves ready and, and you can be out the door and you don't have to carry all this stuff. No more car seats. Al, you know, Alison was mentioning that car seat on the chat. And yeah, none of that. It's really, really nice once you get past the the tediousness of the I, busy part. I think it was Chris that mentioned something on, on Twitter about traveling with kids. And I was like, well, once they're old enough to actually help with going through security, it becomes easier to travel with the kids than without them. Because now I have somebody to like hold my stuff. <laughs> yeah, that was I was in response to someone that was uh, that was traveling. I just met at a conference and he was saying it's awesome to to travel. And I just said it's awesome to travel, quote, without kids. <laughs> and absolutely, I've, I've had the screaming baby on the airplane and that was no fun for anybody. But, you know, now right. it's it's a lovely experience with a, you know, teenager. Right. And I, and I find now, like, if some other parents, you know, are sitting right in front of me or something and I'm traveling alone and their kid is screaming or whatever, it's amazing how once you become a parent, you're like, it's OK. Don't worry about yeah. it. Like, you yeah. can cry your head off and I, I won't be bothered. I'm not going to get upset with you. Like, yes. I, I know it's I not my responsibility. You're yeah. cool. I, exactly. You know? Yeah. I'm like so excited that I'm like, wait. Well, there's always first a, a, a quick check of like, is that one mine? Oh, no, not <laughs> yeah. mine. Yes. I'm I have good. a question for you all about this. So we, I've been traveling with small kids for six years now, and our younger one is not a great traveler. And the last couple flights we've gone on, I've noticed this trend in other families. We don't do this. 
where if somebody has a small baby that is maybe not a great traveler, oftentimes they'll give little bags of candy and a little note out to people in the vicinity. Has anybody seen this before that says, and the note says, this is my first flight or, you know, I'm not a great flyer and I'm going to see grandma or grandpa. Please excuse the the crying and all of that. And on the one hand, I feel like that's kind of them to do that. And on the other hand, I feel like it's too much. Like if people, people should be able to put up with a crying baby for a little while, right? I don't know. Any other thoughts? Anybody ever seen this and any thoughts on I, this? Go ahead. It was not, not firsthand, but I remember seeing that going around the internet. And uh-huh. uh, my first reaction was like, oh, that's that's a really good idea. And then I thought about it. I was like, I'm, I'm never going to do that. No. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I tend towards the latter. I don't I don't think that's really oh, yeah. necessary. If anything, I've seen the complete opposite. After so the first couple of flights that I took with my son were absolutely perfect. He like was asleep the whole time, whatever. But as he got a little bit older, he started getting kind of crabby. And there was one time, didn't go super, super well. But we had someone in the seat in front of us all of a sudden randomly reach back behind her and and gave us this she had like taken one of the one of the nausea bags and had like drawn a little like panda on it or something. <laughs> and made it a little nice. like little puppet bag to try and like cheer him up. And there was a little note that was like, when I was young, I was really upset too. And my mom used to draw these for me. So I hope you feel better or something like that. So it's kind of like exactly what you were talking about, except the complete opposite direction. Yeah. I agree with that. I mean, with the prizes for other people dealing with people, I'm like, that's crap. Somebody give me some chocolate. Like, I'm the one that has to, like, <laughs> yeah. hold the, like, squiggly, no screaming, whatever child for, like, however. And I I mean, I've, I've traveled a fair amount with, with, with my kids. And they are generally pretty good travelers. But, you know, like, I don't know. Things happen. And I'm the one that's, like, working my, you know, my ass off to try to get them, like, calm and try to figure out how to entertain them or how to, like, make sure their ears pop or how to, like, you know, I mean, all these things about being in an airplane that they don't deal with on a regular basis, like, they, you know, that they're especially when they're young, right? They're still like learning how to be people all the time, right? So like, okay, I'm like putting in so much effort teaching them how to be people on an airplane. Somebody reward me, goddammit. <laughs> That's Allison, my are you Are you saying that you have too much going on and don't have time to give everyone else candy on the flight? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I, I think Allison has strong feelings about this. <laughs> I have strong I feelings about many things completely related agree. to parenting. But I, agree I, have had, <laughs> I have had those positive experiences also. Or some people offer to buy a drink. Or I remember our last flight, everybody on the whole flight could hear my younger son screaming and thrashing the whole flight. And a mom with much older kids and their teenagers, she just came by and gave us a box of very like multicolored cookies and was like, here you go. See if this will help. So for the most part, I think people are pretty kind on planes. And I don't know if you've noticed this, too. They usually stick us in the back of the plane, usually together with all the other families. And that tends to help also. But, yeah, I remember this, you know, just it seems like it seems like I don't feel like we should be bribing one another to deal with each other as humans. That's just I I, I I will take the vigilante approach of if you see somebody scoffing or glaring or making, you know, under comments under their breath. At, at the parents with the child, I will then go by and, and make sure to make a, a loud compliment of, oh, oh, we all know how this is. Like, you're fine. Don't worry about it. You're not yeah. bothering anybody. I mean, one other thing that's so I joke with my with my husband. So I fly. I haven't flown solo yet with both kids, but I've flown solo with with my oldest a fair number of times. And it 
makes my husband much more, he gets more anxious and more nervous about flying solo, even just with, even just with one. And I always joke, cause I'm always like, I don't know what you're complaining about. Like 10,000 million people are going to offer to help you if you fly slow with our <laughs> child. Me, they'll glare at you, they'll help. So I don't want to hear any of this nonsense. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely a real dynamic. I can attest to that. <laughs> so we've had that conversation before too. <laughs> Yeah, the last time we flew with a baby, my daughter was two months old. We went to my sister's wedding, and we forgot to eat. The kids ate, but the parents forgot to eat. So we're in the plane, and I'm feeling just, you know, starting to get it lightheaded and and just not feeling right. And I realized I haven't eaten anything, and I was holding her, and my wife was, I think, in a row in front of me with the two of the other kids, and I had the baby. And so I just asked the one of the stewardesses if they had any like you know, peanuts or crackers. I'm like, I haven't eaten anything. And so she saw me with a baby and she went back and she brought a bunch of stuff, you know, and just gave us all these, these things, even though, you know, she's like, well, this is for you. And maybe she can chew on some of this or whatever. She was tiny. She was not going to eat any of that, but it was just funny. And now that you mentioned that, Allison, I'm like, I bet you my wife had been holding that. She would have been like, no, sorry, we don't. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, you know, but super nice. And I got a bunch of snacks and I had one of the other kids by me and you know, they were chowing down on the snacks, but yeah, it's probably is a real, real dynamic that you're talking about there where you're like, Hey, can you shut your baby up? Or says, ah, oh, look at him, you know, struggling with the baby. Yeah. <laughs> he needs help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, was gonna say, I have, I feel like I'd had a similar transformation in that before I had kids and I'd, I'd read about this idea of like bringing snacks or earplugs for people nearby. I'm like, Oh, like that's such a nice thought. And I, I feel like my reaction to that was like, it's almost like a signaling, social signaling type thing of like, oh no, like I really, I am someone who cares about the, the, the comfort of strangers around me on a type of plane. But then after I actually had a kid and then thought about these sorts of situations a little bit more, I sort of have come around to a similar like, hey, wait a minute, like, why I, I don't want to, I don't, I don't feel like we have a need to preemptively apologize for having children yep. in public. Yep. <laughs> and I, I like I think of, of planes as essentially public transportation and that, you know, all, all these other people are adults. Like they know what they're, you know, they, sh- they should know the range of possibilities they're getting into when they choose to be cramped in a metal tube, like thousands of miles above earth, like with many other strangers and, and be prepared by themselves for dealing with that. You know, like I, and I also now, generally realize like nobody is you know the the people who are responsible for for crying or upset children like aren't happy about that situation either you know and like they're they're not having crying children at you it's just happening and like if if there was a one magical way to stop it then like we would have already done it so yeah i've totally swung around to the you know obviously like everyone is 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 doing what they can and like try to try to assume better of others but, but yeah yeah and, and, and yeah having been exposed to it yourself and having to deal with it yourself then you can relate right you have that empathy that you didn't have before maybe and that's what helps too when you're hey i'm glad it's not my kid <laughs> and i know yeah there's a yeah maybe i can help with something so yeah yeah and there's a as, there's a bit too about just in general being more educated about child development and milestones and whatnot and like the the mindset shift of you know sometimes sometimes they they just have a meltdown and like it's not that they are 
maliciously disobedient in some way, you know, like they're having a hard time. And who do I expect more from in this stressful situation, like a child or an adult? So, yeah. Also, I was thinking that, like, I wonder how, like, what the difference in effectiveness actually is for handing out these notes or candy or whatever. Like, if someone's really going to be that grumpy about having a child nearby, is that is it really going to make that much of a difference? You know, enough to spend additional energy before your trip preparing these things? I feel like the marginal benefit is probably kind of slim. <laughs> What's your ROI? What are the odds you're going to see him again, too, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do we want to switch over to talk a little bit more about those whose families are still growing? Yes, please, because we are getting closer and closer to various big milestones in our family. My, my son is scheduled to start part-time preschool in the next couple weeks. He's, he's been home with a nanny up until now. And my husband unexpectedly had to be gone last night. And so I had family members come over to help. And that, that changing routine was not appreciated. It was, very, it was one-star review from the youngest member of the current family. <laughs> so that was happening last night. And I was like, oh, man. Like, and then like the school, like we're going to have to get through that whole routine. And then in early October, I am due with our second. And you know, we've, we've been talking about it. But, and he like parrots the words back us. I've got books, et cetera. But you know, I mean, like, I know that we, 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 we have probably conveniently forgotten a lot of the the realities of living with a newborn at home. So, you know, it's not going to be real until it's real. So, yeah. I am expecting my second in January and I feel exactly the same way. There's like, I'm trying to remember how this all works again with a complete <laughs> newborn, you know? <laughs> oh, you'll Four. remember fairly quickly oh, yeah. about 48 we'll hours into the whole deal. <laughs> we'll <laughs> remember. Don't worry, it'll all come flooding back very, very quickly. <laughs> no, I kind of, no. I, I, I like totally sort of intentionally leaned into f- trying to forget over and smooth over some of the roughest sections, you know, like I'm trying to hold on to enough to have have empathy for for friends with newborns, but. You know, it was like, to whatever extent my hormones and biology is helping me forget what it was enough to continue and, and do this again. That's great. Like, I I have a doula for this time around again, too. And this is a new thing I learned that there are a lot of doulas that are also offer like a birth photography package and you can get a discount if you get both. And, I was, and, and you know, I talked to some people who are really into it. The, the more I think about it, the more I'm just like... That is just not for me. Like, I do not want photographic <laughs> evidence that we went through this. Like, I just. But the package I discount. Want... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Table for four, please. Do I? I, 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 I some, some of the example photos, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, these, these women are definitely. Yeah. Like, they're, they're definitely in the midst of labor. And I. I will so like say, as a society, I think we should have more of that out there, you know, but on a personal level, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to remember. Just not me. So I, I will say that, so I had a doula for, for both of mine and it, there wasn't like a sort of like a picture or package, but with, with my second, I think probably because like things went faster and they were like fairly under control. So our doula like had a chance to like take some pictures. So she just sort of like very few, like snapped like a small handful of, of pictures that she, that she like, not with like professional camera or whatever, but that she sent to me afterwards. And they are, I mean, they are like 
my private pictures. I would like never frame them or print them or anything like that. But I will say that every once in a while, I like there's one picture in particular that I pull up and I'm like, I'm a badass. I gave birth to that child and I am amazing. (laughs) So I will say it is like helpful in those there there is like there is one picture in particular that's like i did that and i am the most incredible person in the whole entire universe i just try to go through that thought process when i look at my child like on a daily basis (laughs) like hey we did we made it so far like this one it's he he's still alive he's still growing good job good job us it's funny you mentioned the second one being faster our first one I think the total time from labor to birth was maybe 18 hours. And the second one, we left the house at about 7.45 and time of birth was nine o'clock. Like I've heard this a lot from other parents too. The second child comes a lot faster. Yeah. Ours wasn't that much fast, like that fast, but it was a lot faster than the first one for sure as well. Yeah. Ours was the hospital. We live farther from the hospital now and there's more traffic. And my husband and, and my first one was relatively fast for a first one, like start to finish was nine or 10 hours only when I've been told that the average for a first birth is like 18 hours or so. Yeah, my husband is really terrified of the car birth situation. Yeah, we, I was only at the hospital for like, like maybe 45 minutes or an hour before I gave birth to my second. It was fast. Our doula yeah. joke that like we didn't we didn't miss a meal because like I had breakfast. I like went into early labor, had breakfast. And then after that, we like, you know, went to the like stuff then sort of progressed quickly. And then like I had my daughter by lunchtime. So she was like, usually I tell people to like make sure they eat something. But like you guys haven't really missed a meal yet. So. (laughs) Wow. My wife had a a scheduled C for the second one. That was weird. Just strolling in and be like, we have an appointment. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say, like, we're actually we're actually hoping that the second one here in January goes slower because my son, everything was going absolutely perfectly. She went into labor and we took her down to the hospital. We had picked out this beautiful place in Stillwater, Minnesota. It was a chilly but beautiful morning. We were all getting settled in. Everything was going fine. And they were just deciding to do a quick heartbeat read on the baby. And suddenly the doctor couldn't find it at all. And in the span of like. 30 seconds, we went from everything being peaceful and perfect and almost that same thing that you were just saying, Chris, where it's just like, oh, yeah, we're just here on an appointment, no big deal. And all that to like absolute chaos with like 10 people flooding the room and wheeling my wife away to go to the operating room where she needed to have a emergency C-section because they're worried about a placental abruption that had happened. For those of who aren't aware, that means that the placenta detaches from the inner wall of the womb before delivery. So the baby might get deprived of oxygen. And the mother also has a high risk of extreme bleeding. So to keep the story short, I have never been more terrified in my entire life. But in the end, they, you know, finally suited me up, had me in the uh, the OR and everything to do with the surgery went uh, just fine. It was a perfectly happy ending. But from getting out of the car at the hospital to like, oh, wow, that's done. Everything just all of a sudden happened. Like we're actually hoping that it takes a little longer this time. (laughs) than it did the first time. <laughs> yeah, we had a, I had a very similar experience with, with our oldest. It was terrifying. I did not like it. <laughs> I, I like yeah. the scheduled C. That was a much a yeah. much more pleasant experience. Yeah, this we next time around, because of, the, because of what had happened the first time, we are doing a scheduled C here in January. So we are going to hopefully get the experience of just walking in and everything is calm and peaceful and fine. 
It, it was still surgery, but it, it's way better than emergency surgery. Yeah. <laughs> Scary. So for the folks that have had multiples after the the baby arrives, one of the things that my wife and I talked about was it seemed like uh, our youngest was just so much easier for the first you know year of learning to eat and learning you know sleep schedule and all that. But we weren't sure was it was it actually like different personality in the baby between the kids or was it that we knew more and i'm kind of uh, curious especially jc who has multiple data a points ple- a plethora of of a data points yes <laughs> yeah four to be exact i would say that yes I, I think that was our experience as well and part of it that you kind of know what to do now and i think the other part is because that you are not so i want to see hovering over the baby when they cough or sneeze as much that the baby becomes a little more like chill and i think i think it has a lot to do with firstborn and the parents are freaking out about everything uh, versus the second one where you're just like, eh, rub some dirt on it. It'll be fine. <laughs> you you just kind of realize how resilient they are, right? And how – that they're fine. I mean, if he cries a little bit, it's fine. If he sneezes, you don't have to go check to see if he's still, you know, doing okay or whatever. And I think us – our second one never got into our bed. Uh, our oldest would get into our bed until he was seven or eight. And the second one never did. And we would be like, go to sleep. And he'd be like, okay. And he'd go to sleep. The oldest one never would do that. He would always get into our bed at some point. And so that was part of, that was our, the way that we did things with the first versus the second one. And so, uh, yes, it's easier. And the best part, when they get a little bit older, you don't have to be the entertainment 100% of the time. So they kind of, you know, entertain each other, which is kind of nice as well. So I have a slightly, slightly different opinion. Because I, so my two children had, they have very, very different personalities. Even, even now, one of the things that we deal with is that the things that my oldest eats, my youngest doesn't eat. And the things that my youngest eats, my oldest doesn't eat. So when we meal plan, we really have to alternate like who we're cooking for to make sure there's enough leftovers for the other one. Anyway, very, very different kids. With my son, we had a lot of like, uh, weight gain, eating, nursing, et cetera, issues. But my daughter was such a bad sleeper. She was such a bad overnight sleeper. And so on the one hand, I was less concerned about, like I was less concerned about it. And I knew like, okay, like eventually we'll get through this. Eventually like everything's a phase. Like, you know, we'll, we'll work towards sleep, you know, we're like counting the number of weeks until we could sleep train like that, that sort of stuff. But she was a much more, she's a much more difficult child to sort of like, figure out just a very like different temperament than than my older one. I think that she was just more difficult for those first like six or eight months. I actually think that now at a at almost a year and a half, she's probably a little easier than my son was when he was a year and a half. But so she was she was more more difficult, just I think because of her like personality and temperament. The other thing that I think was difficult was that my my second got her first cold at six weeks, which was like so 
uh, I was like, I was so freaked out about it. I like definitely like sat in the chair, like holding her, like crying because like my son had, you know, he's just like a little toddler germ factory, like bringing home whatever from preschool. And I like knew that he had a stuffy nose and I tried to keep my kids sort of separated from each other, but they're right. Like they're, they're just, they're there, they're in the house, they're all around. And so I think that that's the other thing that was a little bit more difficult until my daughter was six months, like until I felt like she had sort of passed a little bit of that like really newborn phase, just, you know, when she like, that she would just catch stuff more frequently for my son. And I was always so like aware of the stuff that he was bringing home from preschool just like panicked about you know like fortunately we didn't have any lice or any you know like any of like that sort of stuff it was mostly just colds but you know I think that it freaked me out even with my second to deal with that sort of stuff with a with a much younger baby I think uh yeah and you mentioned something that's real important is the the different they're very different right and so I, I, yeah, your experience is going to be completely unique for us. It was, I think the second one was easier probably because we were a little more chill and you're also busy with the first one that the first year it seems to fly by with the second one. Once you look back for us, it was like, oh wow, you know, it's already, it's going to be one. And whereas for the first one, every single day seemed like a new experience and you had all these, you know, it was, it just seemed like it, it took forever for the first year and the second year and, and all that. And now for the other one, it's like, oh, he's a junior now. And, you know, our oldest graduated. And every year, every milestone in high school, we met with the oldest. And now the second one coming along two years be- behind seems like, oh, he's already here. <laughs> you know, and even though we're with both of them or with all our kids doing all their things, but it just seems that it's the new experiences that seem to stand out more. Yeah, I, I am also worried about that since my my first will be going to a, a preschool daycare group care environment, whatever for the first time. And then, you know, obviously we're going into East coast winter where we have real winters. <laughs> so like the, the, the sickness thing, I'm like trying to gear myself up for that. And, and sometimes I almost feel like, like, because my son, we had like the first three and a half months were tons and tons of breastfeeding challenges. And then the, rest of that first year was like tons of sleeping challenges so I'm like okay like we we covered challenges on both of those fronts and if we had if we were only responsible for a newborn again like at least we went through the gauntlet with that once but in some ways I'm like more apprehensive about the disruption to our routine for the oldest because like we're like in a we're like in a pretty good spot right now like I gotta say and but I do wonder how much of that is dependent on you know adults outnumbering the number of children for now. Yeah, I mean I think it's I think it's also been really good for my son to like have to be flexible, right? To have to like to have to share, to have to be like, hey look, we can't do that. We can't do that right now because this is what your sister needs, you know, or like, oh, we're, you know, doing this because it's what you need, right? There's like sort of a give and take that I'm glad that my son is learning about and has to deal with because that is life i definitely yeah. wonder at, yes. what, at what cost <laughs> <laughs> learning those lessons is is just an amazing amount of work <laughs> but but i also you know i 
I think it's fantastic. And, and, you know, now that we've gone through that for a long time, the kids get along great and they've got good social skills and other things like that. But man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The playing together is really, really, really great though. My, my kids have just recently like really truly started playing together and actually, Oh my God, there's one thing that they do right now. That's so adorable. So they've just, well, my youngest has just sort of learned how to like yell my son's name. And so like whenever they see each, whenever they're apart from each other and they see each other again. So it could be like on the weekends, my son has a class. And so one of us usually takes my son to the class. The other one goes with my daughters to the playground. So after that, or like at the end of the day, they will just, the first time they see each other, Devin will go Layla and Layla will go Dede. And then they'll run towards each other and <laughs> hug. And it literally happens like every day for the last like two weeks since Layla's like learned that she can yell Devin's name and they can have this moment. And it is freaking adorable. And like so, so funny. It's like it happened on Saturday and we were like, it's it's been one hour since you guys have seen each other. Like just one hour. It's fine. <laughs> like, it's only cute. been an hour. <laughs> yeah, so I can see this too. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's pretty awesome. like that, that, like, make my ovaries want to have another one, even <laughs> though I'm, like, literally currently extremely pregnant. <laughs> yeah, that inflection point, and it, I think it's, like, one and a half to two years for the younger one, when they become a lot more mobile and social, and they just start mimicking the older one. That's really, that's really the amazing time. Before that, there's a lot of, like, expecting the older child to be interested in a baby, and then when you look at a baby that's just kind of laying there and not saying or doing anything, and they walk away you have to kind of understand that they're not that interesting to slightly older kids and just cut them some slack. Yeah. My son has recently learned that he can give Layla instructions or tell her to do things. And she like, just, you know, admires Devin so much that she'll, so we're sort of like, she, she's, she's not your robot. She's not your pet. You can't just give her orders. <laughs> And but we also actually one thing that I find that I have to regulate, I'm not sure if others feel this way too, but because she now is copying everything that he does, I find myself every once in a while being like, Devin, don't do that because your sister is going to going to copy you. And I find that I like need to make sure that I don't put all of that pressure to like be like a perfect role model all the time on him for her. That's like something that I've noticed me doing more recently that I know that I need to sort of like regulate making sure that I'm not like Devin stop doing that because your sister is gonna like do it too if you do it that's a lot of pressure for like a little kid that's really thoughtful I am the oldest I have a younger sister and uh I actually think that our my my sister and my relationship like we have a good relationship now but growing up it probably would have been yeah a lot easier if I if I hadn't helped hadn't felt like I was constantly being nagged to like, yeah, be a role model or like be the bigger person. I'm like, but it's unfair, like blah, blah, blah. I'm not feeling hurt on that front. So that's a really good point. <laughs> Who else here is the oldest? That's me. I'm the oldest as well. And my wife is as well. So is my wife. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we, we talk, she actually puts a lot of importance on, you know, oldest versus not oldest and, <laughs> and draws a lot of conclusions based off of that. That's funny. I, I, I am a, a, a bit more empathetic in some ways now, at least though, because of, because of, you know, ha having the, just the one at home for, for the last couple of years and sort of being like, 
Oh, yeah. Like these early years, like when you just have the first one, there's a lot of attention focused on just the one kid. And like, I I don't remember that phase for myself, obviously, but it must have happened. Yeah. Yeah. That is definitely something I got that my uh, my sister never did. Should we should we genius and fail? Sure. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. Well, before we officially transition into genius and fail moments, I will say that we're so excited to have our two new friends and panelists on. And so audience, you will be hearing from them more on a variety of topics as we as we keep recording episodes. All right, so now we're going to move into genius and fails. This is the point in the show where we talk about something that's happened in the last couple of weeks that has been a really amazing, exciting genius or sort of a fail, something that hasn't gone quite as you had hoped. Did I want to go first? I got a fail. Oh, go go ahead. Okay, I'll, I'll be as quick as I can, but this is a pretty bad fail on my part. So we went camping, Oakland. The city of Oakland, like 100 years ago, bought a plot of land way up in the Sierras, about five hours away, and built a family camp there. So we went there for a week, and we stayed in a tent cabin, which for those of you who are not familiar with what that is, I'll kind of build you a visual picture. It's like a wooden frame of a house with a platform on the bottom, and then there's canvas kind of draped all over it. That'll become relevant in a moment. So inside the tent cabin, which is kind of perched on the side of a hill, we had two, four cots two for the kids and two for my wife and I. And the the cots were great, but they're just kind of beds with, you know, very small mattresses. And both of my kids were pretty routinely falling out of them onto the floor in the middle of the night. They're movers while they're sleeping. So here's the fail part. I decided, okay, how do we deal with this at home? We'll move the beds up against the wall and then, you know, they're not going to fall out and we'll put our beds next to them so they can't fall out that way turns out that the wall is not really a wall. As I mentioned, it's canvas and it's not really attached to the frame. It's just kind of draped on top and attached very loosely. So my younger son actually fell out of bed at 1 a.m. and smashed his face super hard on the uh, on the frame and then fell out of the cabin, like between the platform and the canvas and fell another five feet and somehow landed on his bum. Uh, or his legs and I think it's because he hit his head that that part of his body stayed up and then his legs kind of rotated down so I heard this this big noise and I moved the beds to try and grab him off the floor and he just was not in the cabin and my wife started screaming and we were (laughs) I could hear him crying and I couldn't figure out where he was oh my gosh so we ran outside and I grabbed him and his face was all bloody and then we ended up taking him to the ER which luckily was only about 15 minutes away and it took him, you know, once we got to the ER, he kind of calmed down and we were just watching him for any kind of brain injury. Long story short, he's totally fine. And luckily, because their their little bodies are dividing cells so quickly, within about three or four days, he looked pretty great. Like all of his scabs and scars and stuff looked fine. And then a week later, he looked totally normal. So, but yeah, that was a big fail on my part where I thought, oh, this I'll just push him up against the wall. This wall... It's not a wall. And then that led to the problem. Oh, no. Well, I'm glad he's okay. Yeah. And that's a sort of a PSA if you happen to go <laughs> camping and there's any kind of, you have a rolling child, take some kind of, build some kind of way for them to not fall out of bed. <laughs> oh. So 
So I'll follow up with a fail, but it didn't involve anything that needed to be watched for brain injuries. <laughs> so we're doing some work on the house. And in order to do this renovation, we need to move out for a little while. And like any project, scheduling and timelines are not obvious. And so it kept getting pushed back. We thought we were going to have it start at the beginning of the summer. And here it is at the end of the summer. And it hasn't actually begun. And then it wound up overlapping with vacation. So the fail is two parts. One, which is don't go on vacation for a week, get back the week before you need to move out of your house. That That's just a horrible idea. And then my most immediate fail was I packed the cable for my microphone somewhere in a box and it's 10 minutes before the part, the podcast starts recording, like ready, go. (laughs) (laughs) So I unpacked about half a dozen boxes really quickly (laughs) so that I could join everybody here. (laughs) It makes me feel any better. Like we, we did a cross country move last year and then we moved into our new house a couple months ago. Things I have yet to unpack. Number one, my like fancy noise canceling Bose headphones. And I've oh no, <laughs> I know, I know. I don't know where they. I I, know, I saw them like right before the last move. That that they're either lost or in a box. That's number one. Number two of things I have yet to unpack. My engagement ring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, well. I've looked in all the places. Like I like I'm trying to like logic my way through that of. It, you know, when I was packing, I feel like I would have packed it here and I have yet to discover it. So, but yeah, then you thought of a really good place that you never <laughs> yeah. think of again. Yeah, it'll be We've safe. All done that. Yes, this is way I, better. My fear is that it, like, I, I gave away so much stuff right before we moved away oh, from no. Portland. And my fear is, yeah, that someone like came to our house to, to pick up, you know, some boxes off of buy nothing or whatever and then walked away with uh, more than just some boxes (laughs) anyway my ios notes app is just filled with like notes to myself about where i leave things because (laughs) i don't trust my memory at all it's like memento except it's an app i started doing (laughs) stuff like that too writing myself notes i mean we do it as developers i think at least i do where i tell myself where i left off that helps a lot, especially over a weekend. But Make a, I started doing a it. Test regular, yeah, kind of. <laughs> but even then, I think, yeah, it doesn't add enough context sometimes, I think, just to write one failing test. All right. I have a genius. My genius. I will, I will give the caveat that this is like a super privileged genius. But I took this week off of work. I was just like, work's been really, really intense the last couple of weeks. And it feels like home stuff has just been like piling up. And I'm involved in a a handful of other things outside of work. And was just feeling like everything was just sort of getting more and more behind. And I, I can always tell because, well, I can always tell when I'm sort of like really close to like entering that burnout zone when I am like short tempered with with my kids, just like less patient with like things going on and whatnot. And so um, so I took the week off of work. It's been great. I've been catching up. I mean, I did make a to-do list, which probably has like a hundred items on it. So I have been working through all of those things and just relaxing and catching up. And my like second 
this isn't a genius, but it's part of my staycation excitement is that yesterday I finished my daughter's quiet book. So because I'm not an oldest child, I have a lot of issues with things that have been done for an oldest child that don't get done for subsequent children. So I made my son a quiet book, which is like a felt sort of activity book. Mm-hmm. And I decided that anything that I've done for my son, I will also do for my daughter. So I phoned it in a little bit. There's a little bit more hot glue and a little bit more puff paint on this one than there was on my son's, but that's fine. It's still really cute. It's very different than my son's was, but I I finished the pages yesterday. So I just sort of have to like put the book all together, but it's been really recharging to take the week and just sort of hang out and not have to like rush my son out in the mornings and just be like, oh, you have morning shenanigans. That's fine. I have nowhere to be. So yeah, that's my genius. Recharging and self-care. Being completely self-aware of like when thing when you're starting to feel a little bit of burnout and like taking time for yourself and getting stuff done and just like taking time off for a week is definitely a genius moment. So mm-hmm. that is awesome. Good for you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it, it's a skill that uh, for me at least requires practice. I, it doesn't come to me naturally. Yeah, um, definitely. This one for me is sort of a genius moment that I think is starting to happen. I sort of stole it from my brother who has three kids. Books and reading are really important to my wife and I, as well as uh, having some time to kind of turn off parent mode in the evening a little bit. So I started to institute this idea that as they get older and their early bedtime, you know, time starts to get a little too early and they aren't really actually ready to go to sleep have them get ready for bed at the same time anyway. And instead of trying to force them to go to sleep or whatever, because they're not actually sleepy, just kind of give them the opportunity to kind of just read quietly in their room until they feel like going to sleep. It works out really well for my brother's kids who now put themselves to bed after some quiet reading. And now my son, you know, is still a little too young to actually read, but he's perfectly happy, you know, quietly looking at books in his room on his bed before he dozes off happily. And I think it helps in putting him to bed and establishing a bit of his own independence too. So this has worked out really well recently. So I'm calling it a a genius moment so far. Very cool. For me, I think, well, I mentioned it earlier in the call and it's basically having a kid in each level of school right now, one going to college, one in high school, one middle school, and one in in grade school, they're all doing, they've, they've done well in, in school. And I think a lot of that has been because they're all really good readers too. So that has definitely been a, a benefit that we started reading with them when they were younger. We had books for them to read before we had kids. So that's definitely a, a big, big plus in that sense too. So, you know, self-care, uh, I wish I did better at it. I've gotten better as I've gotten older. So that's really important too. And I've, I've realized that my health is better when I take time for me and get away from the stress of the grind. But yeah, the, I think our genius moment is for my wife and I that we've managed to uh, raise some kids that now we, we have some adult, we have an adult, which feels really weird. And it is weird because he's still a kid, you know, so it's just kind of an odd combination of age and stage in life for him i think right now and for us to have an adult child some big feels there i feel like it's a whole episode of talking about what it's like to have a kid go off to college yeah well luckily for us he's going to stay local there's a we live really close to a really good community college that transfers to a lot of the big universities around here you know 100 transfer 
and he did not want to go to college. So our one of our, I guess, wins was convincing him to go here, mostly because of the cost involved. He just didn't want to do it, even if we were paying for it. And uh, this is a lot more affordable and it transfers over and they have, he wants to do business related stuff. So they have an associates in business. So we said, well, work on that, get, get an associates in business. And then by then, hopefully he wants to go to finish a four year degree. Been a good student, you know, all the time. So we're hoping that he'll continue on that path and not sit idly by at any point. Cool. Cool. I think I can, can wrap up with a fail followed by attempts to mitigate that fail anyway. So we realized recently that my son is extremely sensitive to mosquito bites. He, it turns out he's, he's a, just like he gets bit and like the whole area like really swells up really badly. And we were heading out to a local park for, cause I, I, I'd uh, engaged someone to do like a, a family photo shoot for before his second birthday. And I remember like running out of the house and I like had definitely put the package of bug repellent wipes in my bag. Like I, I specifically ran back and like would, would make, went to make sure to like get his hat and get the bug repellent wipes. And then we got to the park and they were absolutely nowhere to be found. Later on, I got home and like, it was like somehow between grabbing them from near the door, putting in the bag and then uh, exiting the house, the garage, like they fell out of my bag again. So even though I was like making such an effort to be prepared, it just like went for nothing. Oh, no. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. like I tried so hard and then it just failed. There's a hole in the bag. Yeah. <laughs> what it feels like. We, we, we got lucky because the way I made up for it while we got to the park is like, we were running around like, Oh yeah, there really are bugs. Like this is going to be bad tomorrow. I really regret like the choices that led me to this moment here. I saw some, there, there was some like a group of young teenagers around and I heard them spraying something. And I was like, you know what? Like I, this is pretty forward even for me, but I'm just going to like walk right up. Like it's, it's for, it's for my kid. And I just asked the kid like, Oh, Hey, like, is that bug spray? I'm so sorry to do this. Like it would be such a huge help if you wouldn't mind letting me use your bug spray on my kid. Cause he just, it's, uh, he's, he's so sensitive, you know, like I, yeah, I didn't use it for, for me or my husband. We, we got eaten alive, but he turned out fine. So we dodged a bullet there. And now my, and then as soon as I got home and, and found that, you know, it's just like fallen on the floor, like right inside the house, I went back on Amazon and, and bought like five other packages so that we have backups like stashed everywhere. So like one, keep it by the front door. Another one, like keep it in the diaper bag. Another one in the stroller. Another one, like in the car so that hopefully we have a bit more redundancy for this problem in the future. That's like my yeah, in favorite. In the car one's really good. <laughs> yeah. It's like my yeah, favorite, our- like least, least rational or most rational thing that I do as a parent is anytime that something isn't in a bag that I need it to be or whatever. I like go home and order like six more so that it will <laughs> always be like, we just did this with Purell because we were at our kids play in the Creek over the summer and we didn't have any Purell like in the, in the diaper bag. And I was like, Oh my God. So we ordered like six Purells and now there's like one in the diaper bag, one in my main purse, one in like <laughs> the shoulder bag that my husband sometimes takes when he doesn't take the diaper bag, one in like, there's like, yeah. you know, everywhere. <laughs> yeah. We have like a emergency diaper kit 
in yeah. the trunks of both cars because we got stuck without one once. And I, I have the exact same irrational problem. <laughs> I think it's super practical. When this has failed me in the past is like when I was very early on when I was like, oh yeah, diaper bag checklist and like had packed it with a backup outfit like before we would go out for summer or whatever. And, but the problem being, I did not think to remind, make a to-do for myself to update said backup outfit in the diaper bag. And in the meantime, you know, he grew like while I turned my back on him or something. And, mm-hmm. and like when we had to use it, it was like, yes, uh, it's a bit of a muscle onesie, but okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks so much for listening to the Parent Driven Development Podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have questions that you would like us to chat about on air, please email us at panel at parentdrivendevelopment.com or find us on Twitter at at parentdrivendev. And if you like what you hear, please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash parentdrivendev or rate us on iTunes.